Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Charlotte, and um, yeah, I just wanted to provide some visibility for what we do in kids' ministry, as I'm sure some of you wonder what we do back there every Sunday, and for me, it's been honestly such an encouraging time to see how the Lord's blessing this ministry and working in a lot of our kids' lives, so basically, we go back there, we have just some time to get to know one another, to kind of talk about why we're here, why it's important to come to Sunday school, And then we usually just dive right into the word, Um, really. We've been going through, chronologically, the Old Testament, looking at Abraham and Moses and really focusing on how God keeps his promises. And really, in our time of studying God's word with the kids, emphasizing how this is um, whatever story we're working on that day, like this is part of the bigger story of the Bible. It's all pointing to Jesus Christ and really making that central to our discussion back there. So, yeah, we really have a great time, like, just learning about God and having the kids engage and answering questions. And um, we spend some time in prayer and focusing maybe on one verse from the scripture that we can really work on memorizing or just meditating on with the kids. And then we'll usually do some type of craft or game that's connected to the story. Um, But that takes up most of our time. And then at the end, we enjoy some goldfish, go out on the playground, have a great time. (laughs) Um, but yeah, because kids and families are such a um, central part of our church and it's really important, um, we want to encourage any of you who haven't signed up yet for our kids ministry launch next Sunday after the second service to do so. And there we'll provide a little bit more vision on um, where we're hoping to go with this kids ministry and our heart behind it. So um, now I'm going to read our scripture for the morning, which is from Matthew 15. Um, After I finish reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, if you'd respond by saying, thanks be to God. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, 
adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. This is the word of the Lord. You all can grab a seat and then any kids can follow me back. Good morning. So, what a passage, what a passage. Um, so back, uh, let's see, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 10 years ago, roughly, um, my wife and I moved with our family down to southern Vermont, and uh, we started a church down there. And um, after we'd been there for a little while, in this small little uh, town in, in southern Vermont, we, we were starting to see the Lord do some really great things, some really great things. And, um, and I was a, a young guy and um, made, made tons of mistakes, but was starting to get to know some other pastors in the state. And, um, and there was this one guy that I really looked up to. I started meeting with about once a month. I would drive to go meet him and... Um, and Still look up to him a lot, actually. He was texting me this morning saying he's praying for us. Um, but anyway, I, he, he texted me one day, and he says, hey, I'm sending you a gift. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool, man. Our, our friendship has, like, leveled up. We're at, like, gift-giving friendship level. Um, and then I get, I get the gift in the, in the mail, and I open it, and it's a book. And it's called Accidental Pharisee. And I start wondering, is this like really just a good gift or a subtle message, you know? And, uh, and, and I think as I started to read the book, I thought, okay, I think that this is uh, a subtle message and a great gift. Um, I think what I realized as I started to read this book was that I had become an accidental Pharisee, that pride had crept into my heart. I started to think that success that I was seeing was because of me or um, because of what I had done and these kinds of things. And what I realized is that within all of us, within every single person, we have a little Pharisee. Our flesh is very much prone to Pharisee. And so when we look at the stories that have the Pharisees in them, where Jesus is uh, confronting the Pharisees, rebuking the Pharisees, uh, the thing for us to do is not to look at that and, and just think, man, those Pharisees, they sure were something. The thing to do is to look at, that, at what they did and the things that they're rebuked for and to say, where is that present in my life? And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at um, what the Lord rebukes these Pharisees for, which we heard the biggest piece of that is when he quotes this prophecy from Isaiah, and he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I kept thinking as I read this passage, studying it this week, has this happened to me? Has my heart drifted from the Lord? Or to what degree has this happened to me? And to what degree has this happened in our church? 
To what degree have we been worshiping God with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him? And that's the main thrust of this passage. This is what we've got to figure out. When we look at this passage, the biggest, most important truth for us to understand is how is it that we can worship Him with our hearts? How is it that we can stay near to Him and keep from drifting away from Him the way the Pharisees did? So originally I wrote a sermon that I completely rewrote, a completely changed on Friday. Um, Originally, I was looking at these characteristics of the Pharisees, and we can see those up up on the slide real quick, uh, so that you don't miss the hard work that I put into the sermon that you're not going to hear today. (laughs) These were the things that I was originally diving deep into. The Pharisees they're focusing on fault-finding and others. I mean, they travel some 80 miles from Jerusalem to come and, and confront Jesus about his disciples not washing their hands. Um, so they've got this critical spirit. They're looking at the, whatever they can find in everybody else and not themselves. Um, they're focused on traditions rather than the Word of God. They're looking at the outward motions instead of what God's commanded. They're focused on behavior modification instead of an inner transformation. Jesus is rebuking them and saying, you guys are missing the heart sins, the things that actually defile you. You're worried about my disciples being defiled because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. But your sin, that's what actually defiles you. And of course, they're hypocrites. <laughs> they're hypocrites. A hypocrite is, uh, it means to be a stage actor. It means to be uh, someone in front of people, but really, inwardly, someone completely different. In secret, to be someone completely different. That's what we were going to dive into. And then I realized on Friday morning (laughs) that all those things were really obvious. And that I think there were other things, more subtle things, more more difficult to see upon initially reading this passage that happened first, before this stuff. Somebody's getting a call. Um, before, before this stuff, that can much more easily happen in our lives and cause us to drift away from a heart that loves and worships God truly. And so that's what We're going to look at, um, in this text, we're going to see three three steps, three easy steps to becoming a Pharisee if you'd like to be one. Um, But pray with me and we'll, we'll jump in. Father, you look at us and you see the accidental Pharisee in all of us. You see the, the pride. God, you see the, the coldness of our hearts. And you, I believe, look down upon your church and you desperately, jealously yearn for the spirit that you've made to dwell in us. You want a zealous 
people, a people who love you with all our hearts. You don't want a lukewarm bride. You want a bride that loves you, that doesn't just worship you with our lips, but that worships you with our lives. You want a people, God, who see you for who you are, who see our sins and hate them and repent of them. God, would you do work in our hearts today to change us, transform us, make us more into the image of your Son, God. You know how weak I am. You know that I am nothing. But God, I'm a messenger, and your word is powerful. And so would you just take your word and pierce hearts and awaken cold, sleeping hearts and birth real, genuine worship and change lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, here's our first easy step to becoming a Pharisee. Number one, have a flippant attitude toward the Word of God. Let me show you. Look at verses 3 through 6. This is, this is what's going on. The Pharisees, um, you know, they had these traditions that were passed down from the elders, and one was that if somebody wanted to come and give to the temple the money that they would have normally used to support their elderly and aging parents, then they would have said, we'll take that money. (laughs) But the problem is, the problem is there's a commandment that says that you must honor your father and mother. You must You notice that what Jesus says to them is God commanded in verse 4, for God commanded, and then in verse 5, but you say. For God commanded, but you say. You see, they had not, they had not valued, they had not feared God's word. They wanted people to be able to give to the temple, and so they said, you know what, we got to figure out a way to do this. Well, God does command us to be generous, and he wants us to be generous to, to him, and so let's, let's teach people that if they want to give it to the temple, then, then they, can, they need not honor their father and mother. That's what he says there. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you've made void the Word of God. You've made void the Word of God. This one, you know, kind of surprised me. I've read this story again and again and again before I really saw this one. Because when I think of the Pharisees, the Pharisees, you have to know, they were experts in the law. They actually knew the Word of God backwards and forwards. And had it memorized. And 
so this one kind of slipped by me. But what I was seeing was that you can have an intellectual relationship with the Word of God and still think of it flippantly and still have a low view of Scripture. You can have doctrinal positions and be able to defend them and zealous about those positions and still miss it. You see, they had a flippant heart, a flippant attitude toward the Word of God. So here's the question for us, church, is do do I see God's Word for what it is? Do I see it for what it is? Let me read to you in in Isaiah 66, verse 2. God says, This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Trembles at my word. Let me ask you this. Do you tremble at God's word? And let me just get really personal here. If it stays sitting on your nightstand all week, you don't tremble at it. If you don't pick it up and read it, you don't value it. And I know that's personal for a lot of people. But you need to know that you cannot know God better than you know His Word. You cannot. You cannot know God better than you know His Word because He has revealed Himself to you through His Word. So what I am not saying when I say that the Pharisees knew this backwards and forwards, is that you shouldn't know the Word. No, you must know the Word if you are to know God. But you must come to it, placing yourself under it, submitting to it, recognizing its authority over you, trembling at His Word. They, these Pharisees, they had this intellectual relationship with the Word of God. And so they didn't come to the Word to know God. You can, you can come to the Word to know what this says without coming to it to know the God that it's revealing. Jesus says to these Pharisees in John 5, 39 through 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. There are a lot of people that this is describing. You search the scriptures because you think that it's all about understanding, knowing intellectually this book, but you're missing the God that you're being invited to know through this book. 
just like the Pharisees. The thing that I have been just agonizing over this week with this sermon is that I want to be a man who longs for God with all my heart. I want to be a man that pants after God like we just sang. And I want us to be a church that longs for God, that pants after Him. And I just, I know that this isn't true for all of us. I know it's not. And I know that for some of us, there's a little bit of longing, but there's so much more that we could experience. My prayer has been that if if you're here, you're sitting here, I've been praying for you this week, that as you sit in this seat, that God would meet you. That he would do something that my simple words cannot do. And that is awaken in you hunger. Thirst. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Do you crave him? Do you want more of him? Listen to the words again from Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Do you know why I think many times we don't thirst for God? Why our souls, why we don't feel our hunger or our thirst? Because we're feeding ourselves junk food, endlessly filling ourselves on junk, on the world, on the world's entertainment, on devices and screens and junk. You know, you can eat enough candy to where you are so full that you cannot eat a steak or a salad. We do this. We do this to our souls. We fill ourselves with the stuff that has no nutritional value for our souls, but we don't feel any hunger. And I believe this is what happened to these Pharisees. They didn't come to the Word to know the God of the Word. They searched the Scriptures thinking that in them they had eternal life, but they refused to come to Jesus. I'm so guilty of doing this so many times. Getting up in the morning, opening my Bible, reading it, and not having any kind of an interaction with the living God that wanted to meet with me that wanted me to pray and thank him and praise him and ask him to do things and ask him to teach me. And and I just go away unchanged. And this is the first step to becoming a Pharisee. We have a flippant attitude towards the word. We leave it on our nightstand. We don't pick it up. We don't read it. 
And so we show that we don't understand what this is. Or we read it every day. We go through the motions. We fill our minds with it, but it's all intellectual. And our hearts drift. And that's the first step to becoming a Pharisee. Second step that naturally comes after the first is we begin to have a flippant attitude toward our own sin. Look at, oh, it's hard to narrow down what to look at to see this in this, <laughs> in this text. Um, you know, the whole thing is about these Pharisees who back in chapter 12, it says that they decided to destroy Jesus. This whole interaction is because they want to kill the Son of God. And so what's behind all of this is this idea of defilement. Okay? It begins with the, the, the Pharisees coming and accusing the disciples of being defiled because they didn't wash their hands before they ate. And it ends with this. Look at verses 18 through 20. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. The big idea of this whole text is our sin, the sins within our heart, the, the things that we might not see initially is what defiles us. Our sin defiles us. Yes, even Christians. I'm going to show that in just a minute. And that's the thing I think that is so important for us to see. You know, it's easy for us to get it in our heads that because Jesus cleanses us by his blood, it's impossible for our sins to matter anymore. That's not right. That's not scriptural. Our sins matter very much, very much. And we don't tremble at our sin anymore. We don't tremble at the word. And because we don't tremble at the word, we don't tremble at our sin anymore. And we have this flippant attitude towards our sin that defiles us. Our pride that defiles us. Our lust that defiles us. Our critical spirit that defiles us. Our unrighteous anger that defiles us. Our unbelief that defiles us. And we worry so much about the stuff that goes into the body. Let me get real personal here. This is not... This is not a rebuke to anybody. This is to set you free. Coronavirus cannot defile you. And a vaccine cannot defile you. 
What goes into the body cannot defile you. So, what does that mean? Well, I know this isn't anybody in here, but, you know, (laughs) we hear people say on one side of the vaccine issue, we hear people say, those people, right? Those people who are getting the vaccine, they're defiling everybody. Or those people, those people who won't get it, they're defiling everybody. It's a little personal, huh? But do you see the connection to this? It is not what goes in your body that defiles you. He says it this blatantly in Mark, in the same story, Mark 7. He says, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person. Everybody say that with me. Nothing outside a person. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So how do you think the Lord feels about a church divided over something like that? And I'm not saying our church is divided about that, but I don't want it to become so. I don't want us to ever become divided over something so silly with our eyes fixed on what is seen rather than what is unseen. Worried about what cannot defile you. Some of you just decided you're not coming back. That happens. That happens. Our sin, that's what we need to be worried about. The sin in our hearts, not the sin in everybody else's. Listen to the warnings that the Scriptures give us. Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Listen to Hebrews 10, 26-27. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I don't know if anyone has recently told you that if you go on sinning deliberately after you are saved, that you should be afraid of a fury of fire from a holy God. But that's exactly what the Bible says. And this is not talking about stumbling. This is not talking. I hope, for those of you who are new, <laughs> this is a church that preaches grace week after week after week after week and celebrates the incredible grace that Jesus has given to us, the undeserved 
grace of God through his son, through the blood that was shed for us. If you're new, I want you to know that is what we preach week after week after week. Can I get an amen, church? But sin will destroy you. And we've got to be reminded of this. We've got to stop treating our sin as if it's no big deal when a holy God says, do not keep sinning deliberately. You must put your sin to death by the Spirit or you will die. That's what the Bible says. We are defiled by our sin even while we stand blameless before God because of Jesus. And, you know, it's a mystery. But let me show you 2 Corinthians 7.1. I think we have it. No. All right, 2 Corinthians 7.1. You should write it down. Here's what it says. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Did you hear that? Beloved, Christian, let us cleanse ourselves. Wait a second, I thought, Jesus, your blood cleansed me from all my... Yes. But there's also something that we do. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Did you know, believer, that the fear of God is a, not just an Old Testament idea, but a New Testament idea? That it's repeatedly commanded in both the Old and the New Testament. That we are to to fear and draw near. That we're to fear him and tremble at his holiness, at his majesty. Every single time someone gets a glimpse of God in the scriptures, do you know what happens to them? They fall on their faces. We treat our sin flippantly because we've lost the fear of the Lord. This is what the Lord was convicting me of so continually this week. I mean, I'm telling you, I would open up my Bible last night, I would just flip open, and it would be like verses about the fear of the Lord. I opened up my Bible this morning, just flipped it open, verses about the fear of the Lord. He wanted me to say this to you, church. We've lost the fear of the Lord. And this is why we treat our sins so flippantly. We are supposed to bring holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. We are to cleanse ourselves of every defilement of body and spirit in the fear of the Lord. We don't repent of our sins because we don't hate our sins. We don't hate our sins because we don't fear the Lord. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. 
first in your own heart. Proverbs 16.6 says, By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. You want to know, how do I turn away from evil? How do I get victory over this lust in my heart? This unbelief. Or how do I get victory over this addiction? This besetting sin. How, how do I turn away from this once and for all? How do I do it? By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. And just to make it really clear that to fear God is not to stay at a distance from Him. It is actually the key to intimacy with Him. Psalm 25, 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. Fear Him, and you will find yourself closer to Him. Not further away. So we treat our sin flippantly because we've lost our fear of the Lord. And then finally, the final step toward becoming a Pharisee is that we see repentance and faith as something that we've already done, something we've already completed. And I'll show you where I see this in this passage. When Jesus says to the Pharisees and the scribes, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. What he is saying is, all of your activities are worthless because over time you've grown hard-hearted, cold, numb. And so you're going through all kinds of religious motions. And so let's, let's contextualize that for us. You're coming to church week after week. You're in community group. You're saying prayers at night, maybe at the dinner table. You're reading your Bible. You're doing religious motions, but you're honoring me with your lips while your heart's far from me. How does that happen? How does that happen to us? To us. It happens when we start seeing Repentance and faith is something that I did once, and it's done, you see. And I think this is what happened to the Pharisees. They said, ah, yeah, I believe, I believe, I, I believed in God. And our faith becomes dead. I think this is the... This is why this is such a weighty message, right? Because this is, I think, perhaps the worst thing that, that a Christian or a professing Christian could hear from God. All your worship is in vain. All that you thought was a relationship with me was cold and numb and in vain. And that's weighty. So what do we do? How, how, I want to I leave you with some real hope. I want you to walk out of here knowing exactly what to do. What do you do? How do we not become a Pharisee? We know how to do it now. How do we not become a Pharisee? 
tremble at his word. And repent and keep on repenting and believe and keep on believing. This is how it summarizes what Jesus preached when it says he went out and he preached the kingdom. It says he went out and he preached the kingdom of God, proclaimed the kingdom of God, saying, repent and believe the gospel. This is the summary of Jesus' entire message. Repent and keep on repenting and keep on repenting and keep on repenting and believe the gospel and keep on believing the gospel and keep on believing it. This is the way that John the Baptist said it to the to these same religious leaders, the same group of people. He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. For some of you, this is the message. This is the only message you need to walk out of here remembering today. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Keep with it. Keep with repentance. Put your sin to death by the Spirit or you will die. Keep with repentance. Keep with repentance. This is the message I needed to hear. This is the message I had to hear this week. I have better keep with repentance. I had better keep believing this gospel. This is the good news. Jesus taught his disciples, he said, if somebody sins against you, 70 times 7, and they come back to you every time and they say, I've sinned against you, please forgive me. He says, you tell them, I forgive you. If that is what he calls us to, do you think that if you turn to God today, before you leave here, and you say, my God, I have sinned against you. I am sorry. Forgive me. Do you think he'll say, no, it's too many times? No. He will bring, he will bring you back into the house with a celebration. He'll put a robe around you and a ring on your finger, and he will kill the fattened calf. This is our God. He welcomes back who? Those who repent. And we had better be a people who keep on repenting and keep on believing the gospel. Let me read to you 2 Timothy 2, verses 19 through 22. It says this, Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. If anyone, anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use. That's all of us. That's every one of us. And again, I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 7.1. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves 
from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So we have a part to play. We have to repent and keep on repenting. But I also said we have to believe and keep on believing. Here's the reality. Without faith in Christ, without a perfect sacrifice, all of your repenting would produce nothing. And so, like two sides of the same coin, repentance and faith, they must come together to bear fruit in your life. And so, we've got to believe. We we believe what? We believe the gospel. We believe that Jesus was the perfectly righteous one who gave his life in our place. We believe that he took the wrath of God on himself on the cross, that he died for our sins, taking all of the punishment for our sins, that he was buried, that on the third day he rose from the grave victorious, and that everyone who believes in him will be saved. And so we believe Hebrews 10, 14, that says, for by a single offering he has perfected Past tense, he has perfected for all time, who? Those who are being sanctified. Isn't that interesting? He has perfected you. That is if you are being sanctified. If you're still in the process of bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. That's what that's saying. This is what we believe. If you believe in Jesus, then his blood has perfected you. And it is from that place that you can put your sin to death. It is from that place, knowing that his blood has covered you and cleansed you, and you stand before God blameless, connected to, united to Christ, as you cleanse yourself from what has defiled you. I know It's mysterious, but this is how the Bible is. You are perfected, and you are being sanctified. And so, church, here is the summary of what I think we need to walk out of here today with. If we have drifted, if our hearts have drifted from the Lord, then we need to, with our whole hearts, return to the Word of God, submitting ourselves under it, delighting in it, seeing it for the treasure that it is, trembling at His Word. And we need to take our sins seriously as something that defiles us, the sins of our hearts. We need to stop focusing on the stuff out there and the people out there and being worried about all of that when it's the sins in our own hearts that defile us. We need to put them to death by the power of the Spirit because we're united to Christ and perfected by His sacrifice. We need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance and keeping with belief until the end and we'll be saved. So let's pray. Father, I know that you want to do this. 
I know that you want to do this in our lives more than we want it. (laughs) And there are people in this room right now who, by your grace, they want it. Want this. Want closeness with you. Want to tremble at your word. Want to hate the sin in our own hearts and put it to death by the power of the Spirit. There are those of us in this room who want this, who want to keep on repenting and keep on repenting, and keep on believing. And that is only in our hearts because you've put it there. And if we want it, how much more do you want it for us, God? I see you standing on the porch calling prodigals home, saying, leave the pigsties. Leave your sins behind and come home. Return, return. God, break our hearts over our sin. Help us to shed tears again for our sins and to believe the gospel that Jesus cleanses us. Your word says if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I pray for the fruit of confession to you. I pray for the fruit of repentance. I pray for the fruit of trembling at your word. I pray for the fruit of people getting up earlier in the morning and opening up your word and sitting under your word and letting the word read them. I pray for the fruit of transformed lives by the power of the gospel. I pray for the fruit of the chains of sin being broken off of our lives. I pray for a holy church that pleases you, God, that burns white hot with love for you and for neighbor. And I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.